if you do anything consistently for long enough and just kind of pay attention to some of how you're presenting, it all works. Bandit signs work, direct mail works, texting works, referrals work, relationships work. It's just a matter of doing it consistently um, for long enough. You're listening to The Azria Show. If you're looking for quality real estate investing information that you can trust, you've found it. Stay tuned and join the tens of thousands of members that have already benefited from Azria, your home for education, market information, support, and networking opportunities that will advance your real estate investing career. All right. Hello, hello, hello. The state of Arizona. We are here live again with the Azria Show, guys. And today we have a very special guest. So I'm Marcus Maloney and Mike Delfree. And Tracy Royce of Real Estate. There we go. So Tracy is going to share with us what she's doing, her background, and what she's doing here in Arizona as far as flips, rehabs, things like that. So she covers the gambit, guys, when we talk about real estate investing. So we're very honored and a pleasure to have you here on the show. So Tracy, give us your background. Tell us who you are and what you've been doing. Right. So first and foremost, thank you so much for having me here. I, I kind of grew up in this industry coming to the ASRI event. So now that you guys are ASRI at 2.0 and yes. I get to be here, it's really exciting for me. So from the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate the opportunity. Well, and, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And, and in the same vein, my background is really in distressed real estate. And I used to work for real estate investors behind the scenes as an administrative assistant, doing property management, helping anything from A to Z you know, how people hear, hey, get an assistant to help you out with your business. So that's what I did for the better part of a decade until I decided that I should be doing that for myself. And I was still very scared to do it, even though I had had a lot, a lot of exposure. And long story short, everything that I used to do for them, I do for myself now. So I am a full-time rehabber, flipper, landlord. I am not an agent. I, I did a lot of short sales. I was an agent for a while, but more strictly still on the investor side. And that's really not the wheelhouse I prefer to stay in. I love the investment and creative side of things. And so that's where I've focused in on. And that's all I do now full time. Okay. Awesome. So 10 years working for other investors. So do you think that was like a long time or it was, you yes. wanted to get in a lot earlier, I bet. I did. And I, I'm sure like many other people listening, it's, there's all this hesitation and procrastination and analyzing what can go wrong and what if I don't know how to fill the gaps. And I had been exposed to all of these things and different modalities of investing and pre-foreclosures and short sales and creative finance. And I had mentors and I still couldn't pull the trigger. Mm -hmm. And the biggest reason wasn't because, you know, I didn't have enough money to go out and buy a house outright, but I knew people that did. And it wasn't for lack of education. I had Ezria. I had the people that I worked with. Yeah. I had books. We didn't have bigger pockets or anything mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you the, the biggest reason what it was, was between my ears. Ah. I kept telling myself, I couldn't do this. Okay. They can do it, but you can't do it. Until one day I kind of got mad about it. And I said, okay. you're going to do this. Enough is enough. Enough yeah. is enough. And so finally that change happened. And that's when I stepped out. But I, you know, I tell people to, to answer your question, I, I'm like, I hope that you can do it in a quarter of the time that it took me, mm -hmm. you know, maybe you go work in the industry for a couple years, two, three years, mm -hmm. make your connections, you know, decide what you want to do and then just pull the trigger. You're never going to have it all figured out. So if you're out there listening and you're in the industry wondering when it's time, stop watching the uh, double Dutch mm -hmm. and make a decision. 
And it's not, uh, it's never too late, right? So there's, it's, there's no right or wrong, whether you did it in one year, 10 years, 20 years, it all works out for the yeah. best, right? So that's awesome. Cool. So what, what do you think was that, that major fear, angst that you had? What were, what were you exactly afraid of? Because I know listening, there, there are a lot of newbies that's just getting started and they may be going through that double debt syndrome, like you said, right. maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. So what was that, that one fear that you think kind of kept you on the sideline? All of my background had been in creative financing and distressed real estate, working for people that did that pre-foreclosures. So I sort of started with what normally people would graduate into, like the MBA of Mm -hmm. (laughs) real estate investing. Most people start off selling houses and then they maybe buy one rental. And then over the course of a career, they start to get into more creative things, dealing with distressed real estate, really creative acquisition and disposition strategies. That's what I tip, That's what I essentially grew up around. And so I think part of the hesitation was still putting all the pieces together to be able to execute that as a, as a solopreneur. But regardless, I still had enough of the pieces where I could figure it out or pick up the phone or partner with someone and still do that. So if you are hesitating, one of the things I still like to impress is regardless of how much experience each of us have or what space or what niche that we're in, in real estate, you will still never have everything figured out. And mm-hmm. just when you think you have it figured out and you want to kick your feet up and say, this is going to be on autopilot, the market changes, yep. the law changes, documents change, a new statute yeah. comes out. So there will always be that challenge. Like for instance, I also didn't have a background in construction. That is not something that I helped out with, with the other investors. I might have looked over bids, but I was never on site. I had to learn construction and now I do mm-hmm. all my project management. I sub everything out, but I had a GC first. So there's always going to be that piece of the puzzle that you won't figure out until you start doing whatever it is that you're moving towards. And so if you are listening and hesitating, just know that it doesn't matter how many books you read, how many blogs, how many meetups you go to, you have to take action and put yourself in the thick of it. And then you're forced to be resourceful. And that will continue throughout your career, but it also will elevate you tremendously if you can be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Sounds like you, uh, you're pretty good there. Yeah, <laughs> you know, very, you've been there, some experience. Yeah, so, well so if I could segue a little bit, what about contracting, right? That's always another big piece of the puzzle that everyone gets worried about, even to this day, right? Until you can really get that contractor and that team on your side. So how did you break into building your team? Or what are some ups and downs you went through that you could share with us? Sure. So this is something I, I really find fun to talk about because like we were talking about earlier on social mm-hmm. media, sometimes people get the impression that I do all the work myself on the house. And I'm like, no one deserves to live in a house <laughs> if I rehab. <laughs> you don't want me hanging drywall. If you flush the toilet, the lights would go off. Um, so, you know, I don't do that sort of work. However, when I'm responsible for everything I'm the buck stops here and I need to make sure it's going well to my standards and the finishes and everything is done how it needs to be to be presented because at the end of the day, it's all my responsibility, right? I had to find a way to become more educated, to be able to manage better. And so what did that look like? I watched YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. I read books if I needed to. I, you know, if there was a weekend class or something that I could go to, I would take that. But then also I would show up on site And I have no ego to, you know, when I'm asking the guys, Hey, why are you doing that like that? Mm -hmm. And, and contractors, you know, if they're, if they're a good tradesperson, they love what they do. And if you're not annoying about it and you're like, Hey man, you know, I've, I've seen other people do it this way, or I learned it this way. Why are you doing it this particular way? They'll tell you, Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And if you pay for people and what they're worth, and I'm not saying as investors, we always want to get a good deal, right? Yep. But if you also hire contractors that help educate you, you're paying also for your own education. Double that with, okay, if I can DIY some fun stuff and save a few dollars, then that keeps me on site when the guys are starting finish work and I get us to the finish line too, and also make sure everything is done cohesively to my standards. And then the guys see I'm there. And so they're busting their rear ends a little bit harder as well. That in particular, ladies especially, helps tremendously because I think when people see that you are actively invested and on your job sites and able to take control that really helps. If you are laissez-faire, if you are not paying attention, how do you think, how do you expect your crew or how do you expect your subs are going to be? You need to set a precedence. So that was uncomfortable, but you know, still Mm -hmm. to this day, I still ask questions. I'm not a professional framer, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not a professional builder. And so I still ask questions. And if I need to Google something, I have no ego to say, what does that mean? Or can you show me exactly why you're doing that? But that has made me a better project manager. That's made me more educated. I'm still not a construction expert, but that's how I bridge the gap from really super basic cosmetic stuff to essentially almost being able to rebuild a house now. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. So as far as your contractors, and I know you've been doing this for nearly a decade, what was, what are some of the things that people should look for in a good contractor? How, how do you find those contractors? So one of the things that I, I, I try to help with when people are looking for contractors is you're going to call five guys. Okay. One of them is never going to call you back for whatever reason. Another one's going to quote you super high prices, they're retail or they're super busy. And so they're increasing all the prices because they might not want to take you on as a client, but at the right price, they would. The other three are probably going to come within a range. One of those bids is probably going to be a lump sum that you really don't know exactly what you're getting. And if they visited the property, you still don't know if, if labor and materials and everything, what all is included The other ones, if they send line itemized bids, you can say, hey, we might not need to do this. I could sub this out. Or if you include this, then yes, I'll give you the full job. What I have found is when people communicate really well, have good reviews of some sort, you can go walk their job site, see if they keep a clean job site. If they present themselves in a certain way that yes, they're professional, this is, you know, they take pride in their work and they're also willing to admit See if they're a tradesperson to say, hey, I, I do uh, framing and, and I can do baseboard installation, but I don't hang drywall. I don't do this. If someone tells you I'm good at everything, I can do all of this. Personally, to me, you know, I, I don't I don't agree with that. I'd rather sub everything out. And I know you're really good at what you do in particular, rather than someone that's like, oh, yeah, I can handle everything. So, so are you so you like the project manager then? Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. Got it. So what's the difference from so have you tried the general contractor route where you just kind of leave the reins to them or that's what I started with. Okay. So I started hiring. So initially I had GCs that ran everything because I, I didn't know how, you know, how the, exactly how the mm-hmm. process went, if we're doing a full remodel. Mm-hmm. And so again, just being on site and being able to ex- be exposed to that and be around enough. And that's another reason why I would do DIYs because if I just go there and stare at the walls while they're working on yeah. things, it can be, you know, you're, you feel like you're malingering. Um, so yes, at this point I sub everything out. Another thing that you can look for is if someone says, that sounds great, I can Mm -hmm. start tomorrow. (laughs) I'll be there at 5 a.m. You need to wire me funds or send me funds and I can start immediately. I'll be there at 5 a.m. Meet me at Home Depot. Yeah, there you go. Run. (laughs) So so good point. So what about, there's always um, conversation around 
how much do you give them up front? Do you give anything up front, like half, third, nothing? Like, how do you, how do you deal with it? It depends on the trade and it depends on the amount, right? So if like in a case of a GC, typically they want, you know, at least 25% up front, some sort of uh, draw in the middle. And mm -hmm. I always like to set a standard of, okay, your draw will come at this point. So how I, how I do things now is every Friday is payday. Okay. You mm -hmm. will get paid on Fridays. So for what you have done. So if I have given you a draw and you've completed acts by Friday, you will get paid for that. And then you do not get final payment until you are finalized. I have walked the project and you have cleaned all of your debris. Typically there's not a roll off, you know, until the last day. So you will get paid after everything is done. And, and I have this in writing, so there's no yeah. surprises. And right. now the guys know, you know, mm -hmm. I, I, oops, I want to be held responsible too. And so they know, you know, I, I pay on time, I sell my guys. And so it's instantaneous. There's no checks. I don't want to chase you halfway across the city. Right. You don't want to chase me. You want to get home to your family and and have a cold beer and you know enjoy the fruits of your hard labor. So that so the guys know every Friday is payday. You get paid with sell, but I will not pay your final payment until everything's done and your trash is cleaned off the project. Okay. Great. Mm -hmm. So so you made mention of either receiving a bid with line items or just a one lump sum. Hey, I can do this project for sixty k. What is what should somebody look for and why should they go one versus the other? I'm pretty nitpicky, okay. <laughs> I, I think in a good way, which has helped me in, in this perspective, you know, in this avenue. And I also just like to understand, you know, if someone that was newer, I wanted to understand the cost of things. And I think as you progress, if you want to be a full-time rehabber, not everyone's a, you know, crazy like me that wants to be in, in the weeds like this or be in the thick of it. But I also want to understand the cost of things because typically if they're buying the materials, they're stomping on them 10 to 20%. Okay. I have, I have accounts at the supply houses and I can call it in or they can put it on my credit card, you know? So that way I'm not paying the 10, 15, 20% markup that the contractors will. So if they're doing a lump sum bid, I don't know how much you're charging me for baseboard and the labor of it. I like to be able to tease that out. The other thing is too, is say it's a $60,000 bid and my bid was 50,000. That was my, or my, my budget rather. Mm -hmm. A good contractor, I would say, I would propose to them, how do you think that we can stay in budget with this? Let me show you comps. Let me show you my vision for this property. Here's the important stuff that we really got to do. Here's the things that I'd like to do. And here's a couple things that I think would make this really attractive, like Robin Thompson yeah. does, like the sizzle mm -hmm. factor. Mm -hmm. And that's what I like to do on my entry-level properties is make them pop and, and differentiate a little bit. A good contractor will say, you know, I, I think we can do X, Y, Z. And maybe if we don't use, you know, this, but we can use that instead. Or if you can send me fixtures and save you a few grand there and find an Amazon lookalike, mm -hmm. <laughs> that can be something else. But you know, I, I liked to understand what the actual cost of things were. And so a lump sum bid just didn't help me understand that. So I just like to see things teased out. And I, and I asked that question just for the newbies. So they'll know, you know, and you answered it perfectly. You want to be able to see those line items. So you will know exactly what things cost. So you, you're paying for that education. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so let's jump into, so you're doing deals, you're, you're live in Fe the Phoenix market. Do you go yes. anywhere else? Okay. Mm -hmm. 
So you got active deals as, as we speak. So how are you, how are you getting these deals? What are you doing? So the benefit of having been ingrained in this market for so long is having mm. relationships. Like we met not that long ago when yeah. we, you know, know people in common. And so it's really normal for me now to get referrals from people because I built relationship with people that can send me houses. It comes from agents. I love direct to seller marketing when pre-foreclosures were all the rage, that was a really good return on investment. You know, certainly that has been diluted a bit, mm -hmm. but you know, I don't know whose quote I'm borrowing, but every type of marketing works over a long enough period. Yeah. If you yeah. do anything consistently for long enough and just kind of pay attention to some of how you're presenting, it all works. Bandit signs work, direct mail works, texting works, referrals work, relationships work. It's just a matter of doing it consistently um, for long enough. So I have several avenues, but I'm also not high volume. I get to be a little choosy about the projects that I take on because of, you know, I, I, I don't have a full-time crew that just works for me. So, and I also don't want to do a hundred houses a year. Mm -hmm. I, I don't aspire to be, you know, that's great. Life by losing my hair to say That's I did a hundred deals last year. You know, it's, it's, it's something to be sad about being okay with where you're at and not necessarily having to build the biggest and best because those guys don't always necessarily make the best margins either. Very true. Very true. So let's take a brief break. Hear a word from our sponsors. When we come back, we'll come back with voice of real estate and we'll continue on her journey and she'll share with you some of the things that you can do to get started as a fix and flipper and we want to talk about the female dynamics in this male-dominated industry so we'll hear a word from our sponsors and we'll be right back do you need to close more deals the answer is then you need to call more motivated sellers how do you do this skip tracing skip tracing gives you the access to the telephone numbers and email addresses of distressed property owners all across the country whether you're looking for vacant houses, foreclosed houses, tax delinquent properties, Skip Tracing can help you get in touch with those hard to find homeowners so you can write those offers. We recommend BatchSkipTracing.com. Batch Skip Tracing has consistently delivered the highest quality results in the real estate industry. You simply upload your leads to BatchSkipTracing.com, apply coupon code as RIA, that's A-Z-R-E-I-A, -E at checkout and receive 15 cent skip traces. That's batchskiptracing.com. Apply coupon code ESRIA at checkout for 15 cent skip traces. Here's a quick update on ASRIA's upcoming events. On Monday, October 11th, is the ASRIA Phoenix Monthly Meeting. On Tuesday, October 12th, is the ASRIA Tucson Monthly Meeting. Also on October 12th, is the Raising Capital and Options subgroup. On October 13th, is the Shared Living subgroup. October 14th is the Beginning Investor Subgroup. October 16th and 17th is our Wealth Fortification for Every Real Estate Investor event. And October 21st is our Notes Subgroup. For more information and to register, visit azria.org calendar. Okay, we are back with Tracy Royce, Voice of Real Estate. And we're talking about fixing and flipping. We're talking about women in the industry. And we know through Azria, there are quite a few women that are coming out to the different events. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that some of them talk about is the dynamics of being a woman in a male-dominated industry. So Tracy, kind of walk us through that. What are some of the things, some of the challenges that you faced and how did you overcome those challenges? So I, I will disclose when I got into this industry preliminarily working behind the scenes for other investors, 
I never really, you know, I was always treated like, oh, they thought that I, you know, I was always the assistant or something, which, which was fine. And I was for a long time. And that still happened even when I graduated to my, I'm, I'm fine with that. You know, I don't, I don't, I didn't necessarily have anything to prove. I also didn't have the mentality that because I was a woman, things were different. And mm -hmm. sometimes I see that regurgitated a lot. Like, what is the problem? What problems um, do we have as women in the industry? I, I did, well, I, I try not to frame it that way. Mm -hmm. And my experience might be vastly different from anyone else's, but me personally, I, I just haven't had that. And I think it's for a few reasons, Marcus. I think it's because I work really hard, really hard. If I don't know something, I'll ask. And I'm not afraid to ask. I'm not afraid to say, I don't know what that means. Can you show me? And that goes a long way with contractors. That goes a long way with any other guys that work in the industry, if you have the humility, but also the willingness, I think, to show up and listen, I'm not leaving. I want to know how this works. It's my checkbook. I'm paying the bills here. Yep. The buck stops with me. Let's work together. And I think that when you empower people around you, you know, I always like to joke, last time I checked, people like to get paid on time. They like to get <laughs> sent business from someone that's going to keep sending them business. Yep. And they like to work with someone that has their, you know what, together and we'll be able to lead the pack. And again, I do it in humility because I don't know everything. And so I need people around me that know a little bit more about what they're doing. I need the framer. I need all my trades, you know? So I, I do have the ability to ask them. If you were coming across people that don't want to offer you information, that don't want to share, they're not your people. Right. Find you someone else. If that contractor doesn't work for you, sis, shake the tree, find someone else. That's mm -hmm. just how I've experienced it. So if you get a bad vibe off of someone, if they don't want to work for a woman, we are in what the fifth largest growing county and or maybe the first yeah. largest growing county yeah. in the entire nation. So mm -hmm. See ya. Plenty of people out there. There's yeah. plenty of people out there. Move on to the next. And then the other thing I, I, you know, I want to use this in an encouraging light and not necessarily, Hey, what are we as women might, might, what we might face differently in a negative light. Let's focus on how we're more empowered. When I talk to sellers, if five guys show up, Hey, person, you haven't paid your bills, you're in foreclosure, your house looks and smells yeah. bad. We can give you 70 cents on the dollar, you know, take it or leave it. You're welcome. Right. <laughs> or a lady shows up and we're like, tell me what's, what's going on. What happened here? What, what got you here? You know, I went through a divorce, you know, my husband passed away that after that. And then, you know, my kids are off to college and my, my dog got ran over and, you know, all this stuff is happening. Okay. Okay. And it's not, it's typically not just about the house, but there's not that thread of empathy throughout all investors. True. So mm -hmm. that's typically, and I'm not trying to engender, you know, things, but mm -hmm. that's typically easier for, for ladies to think about when they're conversing with someone. We typically want to connect. We typically want to know we're inquisitive, you know, I'm sure your wives no. are, are never like that where they're. <laughs> yeah. She'll be like, you don't, my wife will be like, you don't like that. You won't eat that if we go to this restaurant. Like. <laughs> I have to think about it. I was like, How do you remember that? You know, so no, great point. Just being yourself, um, a good person, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, because well, especially with all the trainings out there and all the different types of gurus or whatever it may be, especially in sales, it's like gotta have all these be a closer, all these yep. techniques and use this. It actually it's um oversaturated. So these people get all these mm -hmm. calls. So I always just went in like, hey, I'm Mike. <laughs> just want to buy What's your up? House. I'm Mike. You wanna, yeah. You want to sell? I want to buy. What can we do? Can I help you? Well, and let, let me give you a quick story because I, I love this one. Sure. Yeah. So I went to, this was years ago, but the story always sticks out. I went to this, I went to this gentleman's house and he's like, you have to show up before sunset. Okay. But 
didn't quite know why, but okay. So I get over there. He hadn't had the electricity on for weeks. He was using camping lanterns all littered throughout the house. And we sat in his living room with like empty pizza boxes and lanterns. And I didn't even talk about the house for almost 30, 40 minutes. He was talking about how his wife had left him and, you know, all these things that had happened to him. And I noticed these posters on the wall when I first walked the house, when the, when there was still enough light and it was like, like cartoon posters and Disney posters. And I was like, you know, that's kind of odd for a grown man to have these types of posters, but you see a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. So you don't judge. You're just like, I wonder what that's about. Right. Right. And so we were sitting talking and I go, somehow it came up. I go, what's up with the posters? You know? And he goes, oh, I was a professional artist for Disney for years. And I go, oh my God, really? Is that some of your stuff? And he goes, yeah. I go, would you show those to me? He brings out, and I still have some at my office because he was just a masterful artist and showed me these awards he got and all these other things he had accomplished in his life. And I go, you did this? I go, oh my gosh, good for you. And he just wanted to feel better. Mm -hmm. And the difference of him going from sleeping and no electricity to the, you know, his bathtub not working and being clinically depressed to being able to start a new life was getting his house sold. Mm -hmm. How many people do you think would have shown up and sat on this smelly couch in the dark almost Mm -hmm. for 45 minutes talking to this depressed person about drawings and life and making a better way for yourself after this house is sold. Yeah, you just gave away the game. <laughs> like, Can we is. edit that part out? <laughs> it, yeah, great point. Yeah, it, it, it is. It's it's all about just listening to the situation. You know, something is going on and you just have to have that listening ear and know, okay, let me just keep asking these open-ended questions and until we get to the root of what's going on. And yeah. that's exactly what you did. And, and people will tell you what they want. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, like we were mentioning the ego before, right? Like people just think they got to go through this process. But yeah, they'll say, hey, like I had a, a guy had bought a condo from, he's like, don't come in here and beat me up like all those other guys. Yep. Mm. You know, trash, you know, because they use, oh, look at that. And the mm-hmm. ceiling, I can't, I got to pay for this. No, just do what you did and just listen to their story and just, you're not even negotiating. There's not even yeah. negotiating. Right. <laughs> so that's, that's a really big advantage, I think, mm-hmm. especially in a super competitive market. What, what is your competitive advantage? Mm-hmm. And if that's compassion, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. double down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in this market, so, you know, to hot market, low inventory, a lot of competition, everyone's a wholesaler, everyone's doing something. So is, is that, are you, how are you getting your deals? I know we went over a little bit, a lot of different marketing consistency, but is there like a prime thing that works for you right now? Referrals have been, have been good, you know, and that's just constantly asking. I'm not the most consistent person in the world. And I'm, I'm probably going to start taking some stuff off my plate so I can get better at the things that drive the business, not necessarily being in the business as much. Mm -hmm. I know as we, as entrepreneurs and business owners never struggle with that. So yeah, just referrals and, you know, people that have high volume, you know, if I have relationships with them, I'm, you know, I'm consistently asking, Hey, is there anything you just want me to look at? You know, is there anything you want me to look at? Mm -hmm. Awesome. And that's it is just being out there in the industry and letting people know exactly what you're doing. Yeah. Social media has helped as well. Sometimes people will come across stuff in their neighborhood that no one else really knows about because it's just not listed and it looks, you know, it doesn't look good. And I'm, again, I ask, Mm -hmm. Hey, if you guys are, you know, have Mm -hmm. anything that doesn't look like the rest of the block and looks like it could use some love. 
let me know. We can, we can work together. Great presence online. So outside of maybe lead flow, how else has it impacted your, your business? Oh my gosh, man. I, in, in like such a positive way, it is crazy how, and, and I say this not to, to brag at all, because there's people in our market that have done way more with social media than I have, but it has made me so much money in, in terms of relationships, but also real dollars that, you know, I, I stress to people, listen, it's, it might be a grind for six months to 24 months, but making a presence for yourself online can pay dividends. And it's almost next to nothing outside of just having to be on your phone, which all of us are pretty much anyway. Yeah. So let me give you an example. I had years ago, I had a guy that saw me on Facebook and he was like, Hey, I have this house. You know, I got it under contract. He does like super creative stuff so he can buy it really deep discounts at the time. And he's like, it needs an entire rehab. And I know you do that. Do you want first crack at it? I go, yeah, man, I appreciate that. Let me come, let me come take a look. So the funny thing is, is that now that I look back on it, I beat him up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Not much, you know, I'm I just feel like, <laughs> yeah, you get yeah. Yeah. why is that I ingrained in us where you got to feel like you got to get, you know, get a better just deal, a little more. just a little more, <laughs> give me something, you know? And I kept it as a, as a rental property and that's gone up, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars. So yeah. I like to say, Hey, you know, social media, if you did social media and it could make you six figures, would you do it? Yeah. That's just one example. Wow. So if it, people ask, does Instagram work? Does Facebook work? Yeah, but you just have to be consistent with it. Just like the marketing. Just like the marketing. And that's exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. So so, so what's, what's the future look like for Tracy in the real estate world? Oh gosh, that's a really big question. You know, I actually really like rehabbing and I typically stay in my wheelhouse of entry level and move up. That being said, I'd love to do multifamily, maybe move into other markets. And, you know, I, I really have a heart for teaching. I really do love to teach. It's just making space for that, that I can give in a, a consistent, <laughs> yeah. you know, full way on a, on a, in a way that, you know, works for the platform, however I end up delivering it and also for the students as well. Awesome. So mm -hmm. for multifamily, would you do the same thing like flips or just more multifamily as a whole? Either or. I mean, it, so one thing also with this market, for those of you that are listening that are maybe newer or, you know, have done some deals and wondering, gosh, how do, how do we do good deals? So I'm still walking in, looking at properties from different underwriting perspectives. Mm -hmm. Can I okay. rent this out? Can I keep it as a rental? Can I flip it? Can I wholetail it? Can I Airbnb it? And so I'm, I'm mathing the heck out of this thing as quickly as possible to say, is there anything here that I can profit from There you go. instead of like, if I just showed up and I said, Hey, I can pay 70 cents on the dollar for your house. I'd probably be out on camelback panhandling, yes, you know, you <laughs> <laughs> cash always works until it doesn't. Yeah. Right. Right. And people don't need to accept that as much. And I, I don't want to be discouraging, but my, my encouragement is to not be a one trick pony and learn different things, especially creative financing subject to, you know, the, the, the flow of money is just superfluous right now. And so if you can raise private money, so you use less of your own funds, there are people desperately looking to place money to make money. So I would encourage people to look at it like, oh, there's no good deal. No, you just don't know how to underwrite them maybe, you know? So adding that to your tool belt, you might need to retool, you might need to get a little bit more education but just expand how you're treating the leads that come across your desk because something that might not fit your buy box, I might be able to call Michael or Marcus and say, oh my gosh, you guys, hey, you, you told me that you do yeah. X, Y, Z. Mm -hmm. Do you want to take a crack at this? Yeah. Awesome. And if that works for you, then, you know. Yeah, because, you know, people go into, hey, I'm a lease option investor or I'm a sub two investor, whatever it were. 
which the way you're putting it is no, you just were an investor. You just have to educate yourself on the multiple tools that are available to acquire the deal. Yeah, it's great. Right. In order to be a professional, you have to know all aspects of the business. And like you said, you have to be able to underwrite it in four or five different ways in order to make sure that you're not passing up a deal on to someone else just because you didn't know how to underwrite it. Right. And even, you know, if we want, and I still struggle with this a little bit, if we want to even back out of it a little bit more, we're in not necessarily the real estate business, right? Mm -hmm. We're in the problem solving business and in the marketing business. And once you shift your paradigm to, oh my gosh, I have all these leads. And if I'm only paying 70 cents on the dollar and I'm throwing all them away, you might be throwing, if you can refer them to an agent that would pay you for that lead, Mm -hmm. someone else that, you know, I don't know how to underwrite XYZ, but maybe you guys do. Oh, he told me he does this type of real estate. Hey man, do you want to take a look at this lead? I think it might fit your buy box. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. So I would encourage anyone that's listening, new or experienced or veteran to look at leads in a way that who do you know that this could be a good lead for and try to profit from it that way. I mean, there's so much money happening right now. Does that make sense? Money happening. (laughs) There's so much money to be made and and so many things happening in this market that I think if you're simply throwing leads away, you're, you're you're probably leaving quite a bit of money on the table. And, and that's truly why it's important to have those strong relationships and being a part of the RIA because you have mm-hmm. everything that you need right here. You know, so if you're looking at leads for fix and flippers, uh, wholesalers, apartment syndicators, landlords, you have it all right here. So like, like Tracy said, you know, you have to be able to have those relationships so you can dispense these leads, you know, all across the county and all across, you know, the state. Absolutely. Great. Yeah. Proximity is power. There you go. There you go. So we'll wrap it up. Tracy, thank you so much. Yeah. You provided so much education to the listeners here. Thank you so to much. The Asria show. We, That's we great. welcome the opportunity to speak with you again. Feel free to reach out to us. Go to asria.org and make sure you reach out to Tracy. Tracy, give us your IG handles, Facebook handles. How can we find you? Yeah. So my moniker is Royce of Real Estate. If you're on, if you're still on Facebook, it's it's there right. at Royce of Real Estate. I'm I'm pretty active on Instagram and actually TikTok. And both of those is at Royce, R-O-Y-C as in Charlie is an echo. So Royce of real estate. And you can also find my webpage at royceofrealestate.com, but don't judge. I haven't spent a lot of time on it. So come follow, come follow and hang out with me at Instagram and TikTok. Okay. You guys know what to do. Like, share, subscribe. We look forward to seeing you at our monthly meetings. Go to asria.org and you'll see all of the calendar of events right there. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, guys. Great time. Thanks for listening to The Azria Show with your hosts, Marcus Maloney and Mike Delpreet. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you found this information valuable, head over to azria.org and learn more about our community.